Hi, I'm Peter Smith, Chair of Placemaking X Advisory Board, but also a CEO in the City of Melbourne, currently uh, heading towards the City of Darabin, where I'll be their new CEO. It's been 15 years working um, globally in the placemaking movement, so it's been great uh, in this podcast to talk about uh, some of the sort of more political elements of placemaking and what that means, as well as uh, Placemaking X and the journey we're on in trying to drive systemic change in this global placemaking movement. Thank you so much for listening to Urbanistica podcast. I am Mustafa Sharif, an urban planner, and you're more than welcome to join my big journey of exploring the making of smarter and more livable cities. Please don't forget to follow Urbanistica on the different social media platforms. And also let's connect on LinkedIn. Big thanks to Urbanistica podcast partner, Avery. Avery is an international engineering and design company providing sustainable solutions in the fields of energy, industry, and infrastructure. Are you ready for a new episode? Let's go for it. Today we are here in Pontevedra and it's a big pleasure for me to welcome a new storyteller to the podcast. I have the pleasure to welcome you, Peter, to Urbanistica podcast. Hey and welcome. Thank you. Great to be here in Pontevedra. How are you doing? I'm having a great time catching up with the global placemaking family. So yeah. it's, uh, it's great to see everyone again after three years. Yeah, happy to see you. So Peter, you are our storyteller in this episode. How would you like to introduce yourself and tell us about your passion? Okay, well, so I'm uh, Peter Smith. I've been a city manager for 15 years, um, currently in between cities. So uh, previously I ran the city of Adelaide in South Australia, then city of Port Phillip, and I'm just having a break between roles. And in two weeks I start at the city of Darabin, which is a, in a city council in, in just in the north of Melbourne. Wow. What are, what are you passionate about? Look, I, um, I think I've been a senior executive in state government, federal government, and now city councils for 30 years. Um, and I think governments have to learn to work with communities in very different ways. I think when you've been in government as long as I've been um, and you see government making the same mistakes, um, then you have to try and change. And the best place to try and change is to try and change from within. Yeah. So what is your, like your relation and how did your story start with the placemaking? So I... Because um, I, uh, you're from the government. Huh? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I started with um, when I took over the city. Well, my, my story starts before then. I think one of my first jobs was working with people with disabilities who were coming out of institutions. So okay. my first job in public service was um, helping uh, people who are 30, 40 years old who'd been in institutions with severe intellectual disabilities find their place back in the community. And the government at the time in New South Wales and Australia had this um, policy to say, okay, Mustafa, you're from this town. We know you haven't been there for 40 years, but we want to take you back to your town and integrate you back into the community. So my first job was placemaking, just in a different sense. Exactly. Helping people who'd been isolated locked up to to refine their place in community so i think that's when you understand the value of people's connection to community you naturally gravitate to placemaking mm. because you understand when you start to run cities 
the value of public place because it's where people meet, it's where people connect, it's where people express their creativity, it's where cultures play out within a city. Yeah. And, and, and now what is your position within placemaking? So I'm currently the chair of the Placemaking X advisory board. Um, Placemaking X has, uh, has arisen, I think, you know, placemaking as a term started with um, the early founders and Jane Jacobs and then, uh, you know, people like Fred Kent and his son Ethan here is carrying on that legacy today. And I first met Ethan when I was running Adelaide City Council and I wanted, um, we had uh, 250,000 people coming into the city centre every day and then leaving at five o'clock. Yeah. And I wanted people to stay and enjoy the city and I was looking around for answers and I met Ethan. He wanted somebody who understood government and we've formed a lifelong friendship and you know, 15, 20 years later, we're now working together in place making X. Amazing. So what is within, like many people wondering, okay, so what is your responsibility? What are you responsible for? In Placemaking X? Exactly. Uh, we're an advisory board, so Placemaking X, uh, the mission is to start, um, is, is to drive systemic change and accelerate systemic change. Yeah. So that placemaking is not just seen as, you know, something you do, but it's, it's, it's part of our DNA as a, as a population. Mm. Um, so so Placemaking X board has uh, uh, hands from Placemaking Europe, Lemo from uh, Placemaking Latin America, uh, Japing from ASEAN, um, as Steve Davis, who's uh, worked with Fred on PPS, and we're an advisory board. It's to help um, our two members, which are Ethan Kent and his uh, executive director, and Josh Kent, mm. his brother, to drive this global change. And like, what are the challenges that placemaking is facing now after the COVID? I, I think I think we face both challenges and great opportunity. Okay. Um, so the, the challenge is, um, and I, I said this in some opening words yesterday, I think we have got 30-odd, 40 years of placemaking at a community level. I think we know um, how to activate spaces. We know how to work with communities to create, create places that people love. I think the challenge is um, when you think about public space, there are three groups of people, if you like, that control what happens in public space. Mm. There's the place users, the community. There's the private landowners who own the land and yeah. properties adjacent to the public space. And then there's government who control what happens in public space through rules and procedures. Mm. The challenge is not the community. The community knows how they want to love a place <laughs> and they want to play in it. And they know what places they like. The challenge. Do they always know? I think I think they don't always know. I think sometimes um, they like to discover and, and new things, right? So it's not like I'm going to go there and I know what I'm going to do. It's <laughs> like I want to go there and I want to be excited by what I see there. Yeah. And so when you're programming public space, you know, one of the things that my, my values is I think you should find something different. It might be your favorite place, but there should be something new to do in it every day. Yeah. Right? But the challenge is the private owners who are joined the public space, but the biggest challenge is government mm. because government works on a risk basis and they set rules to constrain what happens in public space to manage risk. Yeah. That's a different philosophy to placemakers who want to create opportunity and are happy to take risk, <laughs> right? So there's a natural tension there. Yeah, and is, is the placemaking the answer for livable cities? 
I think I think one of the answers that I'd like to talk about with you a little bit is 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 that constraint of government. So um, we were having a conversation at lunch today around um, how many mayors do we know, and I've worked directly with ten mayors, and and I know I've worked and met probably over a hundred mayors, like a close contact. I mean, had a yeah. conversation with, yeah. but directly worked for at least six mayors for a number of years. Okay, so I understand how a mayor thinks. Right, <laughs> for but sure. out of out of all those mayors, I've maybe only met a handful of mayors that really understand the political value of public space. Mm. So, so when we talk about political agendas for a city, it's climate change, it's social inclusion, it's housing, it's it's arts and creativity and and tourism and branding. All those agendas are political agendas, but they all play out in the public space in the city. Mm. What, what what the opportunity is is to try and get politicians to understand, because they just hear the noise of all these political agendas in their ears. Yeah, right. And they go, which one do I respond to? My answer is, we can respond to those in a in a really way that the whole community connects with in public space. Mm. So they're not exclusionary agendas, and in fact, in a public place is where they, all those agendas converge. And if we get placemaking right, it becomes a political solution. Mm. So that when we, when we're working on that square and working with the community, we can have elements that respond to climate change. We can have elements that respond to social inclusion. We can have elements that increase creativity and innovation in the community. Mm. And the public place is the ideal space to do that. Mm. But if you just want to pick one of those agendas and build a monument to yourself yeah. as a mayor, mm. uh, you're not going to bring the community with you. Mm-hmm. you. You might have a monument that you love, but 50% of the community at least hate. Exactly. Right? Because <laughs> they're going to argue we should have done more, yeah. you should have done less, or you should have done this. But uh-huh. in public space, we can make, through placemaking help, those agendas converge. Mm-hmm. And that, that creates political capital. Yeah. And then you... You get mayors who understand that placemaking is actually a political tool, mm-hmm. and, and mayors respond to politics. Exactly right. Yes, yeah. and and government officials, although they're neutral, understand the politics. Yeah, we have listeners from 132 countries. Fantastic. Yeah, and many of them working within cities, like city authorities and so on. So, like, if you give them message, like three messages from Pontevedra, we're going to talk more about placemaking. Like, how should they think, or what should they do? in order to integrate placemaking within city development? I think there are three critical success factors here. Um, uh, One is understand that it's community first, that we don't build cities for the sake of building cities. We we build cities for communities that live in those cities, Mm. right? So if you do something from the top down and you don't bring the – you're not going to bring everyone with you, but if you – if you bring the community with you, you've got much more chance of getting uh, the imprimatur, the authority from the community to do something yeah, else. Like more power now. Yeah, empower. If you empower the community, they will they will empower you. To mm. That's lesson number one. Yeah. Lesson number two, I would say, is um, within government. If you work within a city government, you need to understand that places are complex systems. Mm. They're organic. They're yeah. ephemeral. They don't really have boundaries. They might have physical boundaries, but they don't have social and cultural boundaries. Um, therefore, uh, when I'm working with my staff on placemaking in my council, I talk about this. Um, as government, we can see the part of the picture of the pace, like a jigsaw puzzle. But in government, we only hold 
uh, of that complex system maybe 20 pieces of an, in a 40-piece jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> Who has the other pieces that we need to bring to the table, whether it's a property developer, a landowner, mm. another level of government, a human service or a community organisation or a member of the community that can help us complete that picture and get that vision of what that place should be. Mm-hmm. So don't think because you've got the power in the place, you have all the pieces of the puzzle. True. Would be number two. Mm. And number three is uh, you have to dance differently if you want a different result. Mm-hmm. What I mean by this, Mustafa, is um, if you, you think about somebody you know really, really well, your best friend or your partner, your brother or your sister, you have conversations with them. Yeah. All right? And those conversations – you know what they're going to say and you know what you're going to say yeah. because you know each other like, really yeah, well. I, yeah, I can, exactly. Yeah. I call this a dance, right? <laughs> it's the verbal dance of a conversation. Yeah. If you don't want to have that conversation, then you have to dance differently. So if you want to have a different conversation within your administration or within your community, then you have to have a different conversation. Then you have to dance differently first. Mm. So when I'm in government, I'm working with community or a developer or a real estate agent or business, they expect me as a bureaucrat to respond in a different way. They usually expect me to say no first, mm, right? Yeah. But if I dance differently and say, yes, maybe, how could we do that? Then I'm going to have a different conversation. Exactly. So learn to dance differently is my third the thing yeah, I would say yeah. to people who are in those cities around the world. Yeah. Because if you want something different, you have to behave differently of yourself. Of course, of course. Yeah. So, like, you work in the cities for a long time. Mm. Uh, I did not. Mm. Uh, so I want to ask you, like, now maybe it's a general question. Why cities are scared from involving placemakers in, within the process? Why? why? Because I think um, it's the lens of risk. Um, so I've worked in cities a long time, as you say. Um, you know, I th- we have this thing in government which is, you know, you have to legislate for idiots sometimes, right? <laughs> so that means, you know, we're not going to allow that parklet there because some idiot is going to run their car into yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we, take the, we take the highest level of risk. Okay. But if you think about our, our zealous nuts, our placemakers, our community placemakers, they don't think about the no, car. They're, they're not just, that stupid, no. No, right. <laughs> but, but in government we are, right, sometimes. So we... We go, okay, we're going to legislate for the worst possible thing. Okay. And, and in doing that, we uh, constrain all the creativity. Mm. Um, and so one of the, you know, this is about dancing differently. If, we, if we, we have to be happy with a lower level of change our risk appetite, we, we have to be an enabler, mm. not a regulator. Okay. Right? We have to actually deregulate to allow creativity to happen. But when you, when you do this kind of regulation, does it mean that there is no trust in community? Uh, I think what happens in government is if something goes wrong, we know in government they will blame us, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, because yeah, the community yeah. um, can play without that responsibility, but mm. we're government. That's number one. Number two is we're always criticized for how we use the public dollar. So we raise our revenue from rates or taxes. Mm. And there's a lot of scrutiny on governments and how they spend. Okay. So, um, you know, I say to a politician, oh, you could spend, give some grants to the community and let them just play in the space. Yeah. yeah but what will I get? Yeah, well, you, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? Oh, I'll get, you'll get a community that loves that place. 
Yeah, but then when the activation's finished, yeah. where's my ribbon that I got to cut? Right? Exactly, where's my yeah. name on a bronze mm. plaque? So, so politicians tend to like a, a lot of politicians, not all of them, tend to like you know the concrete hardware stuff. Mm. Like I opened the new bridge, or I, yeah, you know, I did this. It's it's, but that's actually not what they'll be remembered. It's not for. like the soft values, or <laughs> it's not the software. They like the hardware, right? Yeah, yeah. They want to see like uh, I built a city, or <laughs> yeah, I built this city on rock and roll, right? <laughs> so um, yeah. So, but you know, I think we need less building, more rock and roll. Yeah, but how do how do we change this? We we cannot live with this forever. It's not healthy. Well, I think, you know, I've, I've been to many cities where you've seen people and they've invested millions and millions of dollars in the hardware, um, in the infrastructure, and it's still not a good place for people. How do you change that? I think you've, you've got to change the political mindset. Mm. And this is why I think um, political capital, do you understand what I mean by political no, capital? No, explain to me. So political capital is the political value of doing something. Okay. When we look at a place, we look at the economic capital. So mm -hmm. what's the economic value if we activate the place? What's the social capital? What's yeah. the value to the people mm -hmm. of social connection in that place? We sometimes look at the green capital, you know, is that place responding to climate change? Oh, yeah. Um, one thing we'd never look at is political capital. We, you mean as a people or who? And the placemakers. Ah. So, so I think we look at we can look at all these forms of yeah. value of a place, but one of the things we have to understand is that places have to have political value. Okay, and what is it? It is. It is. So when I speak to a politician, it is: Do you want to build that bridge mm -hmm. and have your plaque on it, and have fifty percent of the people disagree with you and hate you and uh. remember you for building a bad bridge, or do you want to build a great community square that the whole community enjoys? Yeah, that that is your legacy. Right, and it may not have a plaque on it, and it might change, and it might have different things to do in each day. Mm. But they'll remember you as the mayor yeah. that made that square a place for people. Is and it is it is this political value card win a winning card? Like, uh, I think you need to ask the mayor of Pontevedra. <laughs> no, he seriously he spoke about it yesterday. Yeah, um, you know, twenty two years he's been in office. That means he's got political capital. In other that's, words, people keep voting for him. True. Why do they keep voting for him? Because he's created a great pedestrian-friendly city for people. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, other mayors they come in, they've got a four-year term. They're there for four years. They want to build something in four years. That quickly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, ask the mayor of Pontevedra because I listened to him yesterday and he said twenty. It's taken me twenty-two years to create this livable city. Yeah. Right. And we're now getting internationally recognised for it. Mm. And I thought. This guy's my hero, you know, because he understands the game. He understands that the political value mm -hmm. of giving the city back to the people, yeah, as opposed to the the short term political value of building a monument to myself. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, so yeah. This is mayors who get placemaking. It's fantastic to hear him yesterday. So th you think that uh, as a placemaker, sometimes we miss to. Uh, push for the political value. We talk about greenery, community, uh, economic. I think we do because most of the placemakers don't come from government, therefore they don't think about politics. That's true. Like I, I just ask you, what, is, what does it mean? <laughs> yeah, that's right, right? So, I have no idea. But I'm from government, so I understand that it's, yeah. it's almost everything in government, right? Yeah. Because if you, even if you're in government administration, you're driven by what your politicians direct you to do. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So back to placemaking X, what, what's next? What's the goal now? I think um, 
you know, we have some great regional networks as part of Placemaking X. So Placemaking X is the global facilitator. That's yeah. what we'd like it to be. Um, you know, I think of those placemaking Europe is the gold standard in terms of a, a regional network. It's, it's uh, organizes great placemaking weeks like we have here this week. It's got staff. It's got a good board. It, it's got good membership. It's embracing and bringing cities along with it. I think we've got other global networks um, that are just starting out. You know, I think there's a new one starting. Placemaking Bangladesh is starting up. Placemaking yeah. India is still fairly young. Like uh, placemaking Pakistan. Yep. So, so I think the role for placemaking X is to take is to help those other city networks or national networks or even regional net networks grow at the pace they want to grow. Mm. So, um, you know, I talk about this maturity model. Where, what is it? Uh, well, what I mean by that is um, you look at the maturity of an organization like Place Making Europe and they have all these elements in place, which means they're able to influence and yeah. drive the placemaking agenda. And you have other younger national or regional networks that aren't as mature. So so how do we help them mature so mm. that in the end we achieve the goal of placemaking X, which is to drive this systemic change yeah. and accelerate that change. So our role is to be open source, to help people share that knowledge, to encourage people yeah, um, and to connect people mm. who are interested in placemaking, but never forgetting that it's community first. Yeah. So we've got to bring from the grassroots Right through to systemic change. Mm -hmm. that, that's an exciting agenda. So, what if, like, I'm a, how to say, place making network or organization in a country, and I don't want like to grow up in, in terms of that's fine. resources? That's fine. And is it is it is it fine? I mean, like, if we're talking in local and globally, well, what I, do you think? I think you can't. Um, I think. Let me put it in a case like me, I I have a place making organiza organization and in this country and we are like ten people. Yeah. And we think, ah, oh, this is fine. We are happy with each other. We don't want to be like 50. Yeah, th I think that's fine because um, it, it is a global movement and it can be a small group of 10 yeah. who are passionate in their land rooms and in their city or in their square about placemaking in their local place. Mm -hmm. Or it can be a large organization which has got you know 50 cities organized together. That's the, that's mm -hmm. the whole um, continuum of placemaking. Mm. Our role in placemaking X is to facilitate that. So so the important principle there is to say, if you want to grow, we're there to help. If you want to just do your square with 10 people, we're there to help. Mm. Um, but I think the more, having been on the journey for, for the last 15 years, I think when you start, you know, I'm going back to when I started in Adelaide, you know, I knew we could do more than just tactical urbanism. Yeah. And and very early on I knew that it actually involves systemic change. Mm. So whilst we were doing great in our activation program in Adelaide, it actually in my mind became this is actually a different way to run a city. Okay. So we need to grow and learn more. Yeah. And and I think even that small group of ten that you talk about, mm. they will have fun with the square and their yeah. their place for a while, and then they'll go, actually, now we're getting constrained. How do we try and change some of these things that are standing in a way? Mm. And that's when regional networks and global networks can help. Yeah. So as an advisor, what is your advice to placemaking organizations that like thinking not to grow, staying as how they are? 
be happy and be happy as you are. But when you run into constraints and you need help, then there are lots of, in this global family of ours, there are lots of people who have been down that path and can help you remove some of those obstacles if you want to, if you want to go down that path. Yeah. Yeah. And and we have also many listeners that may be thinking, okay, I want to start this in my country. Yeah, how do you help in placemaking X? I think reach out to um, our executive director Ethan Ken. I'm, I'm not sure if you've spoken to him on the podcast. Yeah, he, yeah, he's globally connected. He usually knows somebody almost in your neighbourhood who'll connect you to. <laughs> uh, but he's he's got the most amazing network. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm on the advisory board. Ethan's full time job is is to connect people and help people grow. So yeah, he's Ethan at placemakingx.org, and he will be there, and um, he will know somebody in your neighbourhood for sure. <laughs> what what is your uh, Peter? What is your biggest challenge? My biggest challenge? Yeah, here with the placemaking. I think I think the biggest challenge is how we grow from this network of amazingly talented placemakers at a community level to get more and more cities involved. Um, you know, I don't think there's many city managers who have been involved in placemaking like me. No. You know, I haven't found many. I haven't found many mayors. Mm. We have a lot of power. And I don't say that in an arrogant way, but when you have the title of city, I have a lot of control over what happens in the city. Yeah, it's your, you're responsible for it. I'm responsible, as is a mayor or a councillor. Mm. We need more. Yeah. Yeah. We're here in Pontevedra. What do you think about the city? I think it's, uh, you know, the first impression, as a city manager, the first thing I do when I come to a city, I go, is it clean? You know, is the rubbish <laughs> being picked up? Right? That's the first thing because these are what I call, you, you know, uh, these are hygiene factors. Yeah. Not hygiene in terms of clean, but in terms of motivation theory, right? It doesn't mean all places have to be clean because some of the, you know, some of the yeah. grungiest places in the earth can be the coolest places, but. It's just what I look at, um, and it's it's like the canvas is mm. good. The heritage is wonderful. The old city, mm. um, you notice straight away that the cars go slowly. That you don't feel unsafe at all crossing a road. That cars actually True. stop at a pedestrian crossing. And so much respect for pedestrians, pedestrians yeah. right? And you notice that straight away. So that first experience of Pondavedra is well, there's something sort of different here because, like, if that was Australia, that guy would just come straight through and beep his horn at me and tell me to get off the pedestrian <laughs> crossing. Um, I think it's it, it's it's a unique place, yeah, in terms of walkability. Mm. Um, I think the cycling's interesting. I'm, I haven't really been out of the old city yet. I'd like to see if people are actually using other forms of active mobility outside mm. of the sort of highly pedestrianized area. Um, I, I love the way, I love the heritage, but I love all European heritage. Yeah, yeah. I can see now when you're looking at the buildings outside. Yeah, and it's the scale, the human scale is fantastic. So the, I always look at the human scale. So, you know, the height of the, the podiums is three stories in most of Europe. Mm. The laneways are not so narrow that you, can't get down there, but they're not so wide that exactly. can't connect in space. Uh, and I love the public squares. Um, nice. You know, and I was in Lisbon recently, and I'm sure you got listeners in Lisbon, but, uh, you know, the first time in Lisbon, it was like outdoor dining everywhere. They were trying to get you to eat. And then I went to the main square, and there wasn't one public place to sit. Okay. And then the only place where people were sitting was in, in the shade of the statue. There was 50 people trying to cram into the shade of the sat statue in the front, front of the, yeah. in the middle of the square. And the outside of the square was all outdoor dining. And, and so if you wanted to sit in the shade, you need to, you need to pay money. Yeah. That's not equitable. No. 
not inclusive. And and I think on to go back to your question, yeah, is, yeah. is very inclusive. Yeah. If you will give an advice to the mayor when they are going to develop, continue developing the city, mm. what this advice will be? Because we now we are like here in Pontevedra, you're having us. I haven't been here long enough, but one of the questions I have is, um, I'm, I, I know the mayor has driven this for 23 years. I heard his speech yesterday. I know he must have a public administration that are supporting that. Yeah. What I'm interested to find out, and I always listen before I give any advice, so I'm not going to give any advice to your question. <laughs> but what I'm interested to hear is how are they engaging the community in this more? Mm. And how can they, um, you know, is it city... Is it, is it city-run events and city-run activations, or because uh, maybe the next step is they've created this fantastic pedestrianised canvas? How can they engage the community to get even more place-led activation and and place attachment from the community? Okay. I'd like to hear more. They're probably already doing that, but that's the question I have still. Okay, interesting. And we have a big, big place-making community. Yeah, they're here. Fantastic. Many of them listening to you. Uh, I love to ask you, what should placemakers stop doing? <sighs> what should placemakers? Now focus on community. Uh, I don't, no, I, I don't. I think placemakers. Um, I love the fact placemaking is so organic. Um, so, so I don't think I you should you should not stop innovating. You should keep innovating, right? Because, because it's organic placemaking and every time I come to one of these conferences or meet with the sort of global placemaking family, I, I wander into a session and I, I go, I, I think I've heard this and then somebody will just say something and I get this light bulb go on and go, ah, oh, now I connected that idea with that idea. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. So, so don't stop innovating. Mm -hmm. What should you stop doing? I don't think there's much they should stop doing because this is a, system, this is a movement for change. Yeah. And, and it's an, it's an inclusive movement where there's room for everyone's agenda. Yeah. And you're a leader by position, but also like as a person. I don't know. I don't know if I'm a person. As a person, <laughs> definitely by position. <laughs> so how can we be, become stronger or, I don't know if I call it stronger or better leaders as placemaker makers? I think, I Do you think, call yeah. Yeah, I think what is leadership? Well, for me, leadership is, how do you create new value? Mm. Different to management, right? Yeah. Management is how you manage existing value. Yeah. Leadership is how you create new value. So as we need everyone to be a leader. So you can create new value as a local placemaker by doing something different in your public space mm. and engaging with other people around that. If you're a CEO and you're a formal leader, you can be a leader by creating new value in those you lead within the formal organization to understand the philosophy of placemaking and the values that are important and, and drive that cultural change. Mm. If you're a mayor, you can influence other, other mayors to understand the political value of placemaking. Mm. If you're from a community organization, you can find your agenda in placemaking, but you can integrate it with other agendas. Yeah. So, you know, I think to answer your first question, what's your, what's your placemakers? stop doing don't use placemaking as a as a means for one agenda that you're passionate about use placemaking as a way to integrate the agenda you're passionate about with other agendas mm -hmm. you'll find mutual solutions in public place mm -hmm. this is uh this is very interesting like um put together the different agendas 
Yeah, because in public places where climate change plays out, it's where social exclusion and inclusion play out. It's where cultural diversity plays out. It's where creative expression plays out. Mm. It's where uh, economic inequity plays out. Mm. What what scares you when it comes to placemaking? Like, if you think about the future and placemaking, I think what what scares me is uh, the growing inequity um, between rich and poor. I come from a very strong social inclusion background, back to those very first days working with people with disabilities. I've worked in public housing for many years. What scares me is the commercialization of public space to the exclusion of the community. Mm. Because I think, and I, I, I get scared by this notion of place washing. Place washing? Mm. Tell me more. Well, it's, it's the use of the brand placemaking mm. um, to promote your own interest, usually a commercial interest. Okay. So I now see big shopping centers talking about placemaking. Yeah, yeah, we have it in Sweden as well. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I see developers talking about placemaking to sell their units or to sell, right? But yeah. is it really placemaking? So it's like greenwashing, right? Yeah, but now I like play. Okay, I got, I got the other. Yeah, you got yeah, yeah. So yeah. We, we're going to say we're climate friendly because we want to sell something to you. I'm going to say we're placemaking because I want to sell something to you. Yeah. Um, as placemaking has grown from a small movement to a global movement people will try and commercialize that mm. and brand it but how do we stop this is it like our responsibilities as placemakers or i think i think i think people need to understand the values that it's based on mm. which is about community-led place-led yeah it's about having a, a church that's open to all right yeah, true. And, and 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 it's all ideas welcome but the fundamental principles are led by community, for community, for people, all people. Yeah. Right? And something yeah. said today, not just all people, all, all, all living things. <laughs> right? Nice and interesting. So, so our, values, our values are non-negotiable. Yeah, yeah. Now you see, like, from the window or from we are almost outdoor, you see placemakers standing around us and so on. Yeah. Fantastic. I want, yeah, it's amazing. I want to, uh, I want you to give three takeaway messages to all placemakers and also the listeners uh, and if you don't mind I will make a video of you that's fine yeah sure. I, will, I will make so are your three takeaway messages keep doing what you're doing because it's making a difference yeah. keep talking to each other because you learn something new every day and uh, dance differently and you'll learn uh, so many new things and you'll learn how to do new things so learn how to dance differently if the conversation is not working try a different way of dancing yeah and the last question in each episode is going to be the guest asking it to us right so now it's your time to ask a question oh you didn't warn me about this one <laughs> so what is your uh, question to, to our listeners uh so my my question to you or to, your, to the listeners? to me and to the listeners my question to to you and the listeners is from all of your podcasts What are the things that people need to know more, most more, more about? Mm. What, are, what are the things that intrigue you most from all of the stories you've heard? Peter, thank you so much. I'm really happy to talk to you and I'm happy that you gave your valuable time. I know you're busy. You're, um, there's an interesting program here going in Pontevedra, so I'm grateful for uh, the time. My, my pleasure. It's lovely to talk to you and, to you and I hope your listeners enjoyed the story. Thanks. <laughs>